Hey everybody, so good to see you, man. So good to be with everybody. We're starting this new series, God and Me. And I could write a book called Kelly and Me. Kelly is my wife, and we met when I started going to Smithtown Christian School in the fourth grade, and she was in the fifth grade because she's older. And so I met her there, and uh, we began to kind of be friends in elementary school. And in middle school, we kind of like both kind of crushed on each other a little bit. And then in high school, we liked each other a little bit more, but at the same time, we kind of both dated some other people. And there was this one guy that Kelly dated, and this guy was really good looking. He was really jacked. His muscles had muscles. In fact, Joey is Kelly's cousin, and when he was real little, he remembers this boyfriend that she had. And I said to him the other day, I said, what did you used to call him? He said, an axe murderer. This guy just looked really scary. So one day we're at SCS at the school there, and I'm out on the field just being dumb, goofing off with one of my friends, and Kelly's in the car with the axe murderer. And as she's driving off the property, she, I find this out later, is thinking to herself, man, I wish I was out there on the field hanging out with Doug. Come on, right? Come on. See, now I wasn't much to look at, but I could make her laugh. And laughter outweighs muscles, I think. All right. And so that was a beautiful thing. In fact, when they broke up, he said to her, he said, the one thing I'm asking you not to do, this is, she's like 10th grade, is marry Doug Jansen. There you have it right there. Pretty intense, right? And I could go on and talk about how then in college we didn't really see each other much, but then, man, it just took one, one seeing each other again, and we were married 10 months later. I could talk about our awesome kids coming. I could talk about so many different things, and that would be the Kelly and me story. But there is a God and me story, a story about my relationship with God, and there's a God and you story. Now, some of you guys are like, yeah, man, there's totally a God in me story. It's awesome. I'm so excited. I'm living it right now. I feel close to God. I feel close to Jesus. I am excited about God. I'm telling my friends about God. I'm inviting my friends to church. I'm just praying for people. I'm reading the word of God. I'm, I'm worshiping. I was singing my heart out tonight. And you're just excited about your relationship with God. But then there's some of us in the room who are like, I don't know about this God in me story. Like, maybe, you know, like I, I'm trying it doesn't always feel like I'm doing it right. I don't know if I got something wrong in me or if there's something wrong with him, but we're going to hopefully figure this out. But I guess there's kind of a God of me story. And then there's some of you that might say, no, I don't think that I have a God of me story. Maybe you're new to us. Maybe a friend invited you and it's your first night and you're like, I don't have a God story. And I would just say, I believe you do. Maybe you haven't seen it all play out yet, but I believe that God is pursuing you. And I believe there's a God in you story. And maybe you've been kind of pushing him away, or maybe you've been kind of turning your back on him, or maybe you just kind of haven't really thought about it much. And so you don't know what that all looks like, but I believe tonight that God is pursuing you. And so every one of us in this room have a God and me story. And in this series, we're going to talk about some beautiful things about this God and me story. And we're also going to talk about some ways that I think we can grow in this. And my, my question for you tonight, as we kind of launch into tonight's topic, is this. When was the last time, let's be honest with ourselves, the last time we woke up and the first thought we had was, man, I just cannot wait to spend time with Jesus today. Like that was literally the first thought, okay? And I'm going to let you know as I, as I talk to you today, I'm going to be preaching this message at my own heart too, because I wrestle with the same stuff you do. But when was the last time that was it? It wasn't like what you had to do or something you were excited about later in the day or how great you know, the weekend was. You, that wasn't your first thought. Your first thought was, man, I get to hang out with God today. When was the last time you were on break at school or at work and you were like, I know what I'm going to do right now. I've been waiting for this moment. I'm going to go in my Bible or in my car. I'm going to open up my Bible and read the word of God. Or I'm going to turn on that podcast that was really feeding my soul, right? 
When's the last time you were, I don't know, watching a movie or you were kind of just cruising through social media and you just thought to yourself, you know, I'm just going to put this down. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to put the phone down and I'm just going to go on a prayer walk because I just need to get everything back in perspective and see how great Jesus is. When was the last time you woke up like that, you walked through lunch like that, and you kind of went through your night like that? You see, there's this passion that I want to talk with you about today. There's a passion that I pray will be stirred up in our hearts. And we've all seen in the movies. I know here in the, in the church, we've got lots of doctors and nurses and some EMT people. And so they've used those paddles that they place on people's chest to kind of bring them back. And man, my prayer tonight is that some of us will be brought back, so to speak, in our passion for God if we've lost it. And I pray that some of us will discover it for the very first time. So I want us to discover and rediscover this hunger and this passion for the presence of God, being near God. Now, some of you guys are like, Doug, I, I can answer the question. You asked, asked me when the last time I woke up and I was excited about spending time with Jesus. It was today. Like, I couldn't wait to get here. I couldn't wait this morning to open up my Bible or my app. I just, I wanted to be with him. It was today. But many of us in the room would say, no, no, it, it wasn't like that for me. Like, I, I'm glad I'm here, I guess. Like, now, see, this is what's funny. Now I'm glad that I'm at church and I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to God. But I have to be honest, I wasn't looking forward to it all that much all day. It wasn't like going to be the highlight of my week, right? And isn't it interesting that when we struggle that way and when there isn't that fire in our heart to open up the word of God and to pray and to tell others about Jesus and invite him and, and worship, when, when we don't have that, I think we go to two defaults. Number one is we go to avoidance, right? We just avoid God. You know why? Because I feel bad that I don't want to spend time with him. And so I'm just going to avoid him and kind of leave that alone. I think the other thing we do is we go half-hearted, right? So I'll spend time with God, but man, I don't have to like it. So I'll look at the verse of the day. And all right, I'll pray about it for a second and that's it. Man, but there's just such a better way. We miss out on so much when we don't have a passion in our heart, a hunger in our heart, a desire in our heart, this thirst, this thing crying out of us to spend time in God's presence. And tonight, I want to challenge you and I in this way. I want to stir up that passion. Now, there's, there's another group that I haven't mentioned yet. It's you who would say, I'm not avoiding the presence of God because I feel bad about it. I am not going half-hearted to God. I'm simply afraid. Like some of you literally say, I am afraid of God's presence. I, I'm afraid to get near this God that I've sinned against. I've done horrible things in my life. Why would I go get close or near to the place where God's presence is when I'm just guessing he's gonna wanna take me out or pay me back for all I've done? And so tonight, wherever you find yourself and, and what I've brought up tonight, I pray you'll find some answers in the scripture. So we're gonna look at Psalm 84 Beautiful psalm. And this is what I think some of us need to rediscover. Verse one, let's just go right at it. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. How lovely is that place? How awesome, how beautiful, how amazing is that place, God, where you are, wherever you are, that place is lovely and amazing. Now, the funny thing is, is when the psalmist wrote this, we don't know, by the way, who wrote this psalm, but when the psalmist wrote this, the presence of God was limited to a specific place. It was the temple and the temple courtyard. And if you could get to the temple or the temple courtyard, then you could interact with God's presence. He would interact with his people in a special way there. But think about that. You had to be right there in that place. And there was one guy who could go the furthest and the deepest into God's presence. And then the rest of the priests were kind of allowed into the presence of God. But then all of us, all the commoners, do you know where we would spend our day? We would be out in the courtyard of the temple. Like we don't even get the invite into the temple. We're in the courtyard of the temple. But that's where God's presence dealt, or dwelled. Do you know why? 
because sin hadn't been dealt with yet. And you can't just walk into the presence of God. If I went to the White House tonight and I just tried to stroll into the Oval Office, I'm going to get shot, right? Not going to go well. If I went to City Field today, oh Lord help us, i got to talk about the Mets right now. If I went to City Field right now and I knocked on the locker room door and they saw me, they'd be like, get this guy out of here, call security. I don't have access, right? Something has to be done for me before I can walk into those venues. And the same is true for the presence of God. And so back in the day here when the psalmist is writing this, he's saying, man, I just want to go to the temple courtyard because that's where God's presence is. And that presence is so lovely. The next part says this, my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. What does your soul yearn for? Think about that. Just be honest. What do you want most? Fame, money, acceptance, peace, tranquility, just to be liked rest, excitement. Like, what do you want most? Because this guy's saying, the thing my soul yearns for and faints for is the courts of the Lord, where God is. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, just, this is mind-blowing. He's literally saying, all I can think about, all I can, I can wrap my emotion and my passion around is getting to that temple. And I can't even go inside it. But I can stand in the courtyard and I can be near the presence of of God. Do you need to discover or rediscover this passion and hunger today? Because we have it so much better. You know that, right? You have it so much better that we can access the Prince of God wherever we want to go. But maybe we've kind of let that get to us. We've allowed that to become a little bit too normal. Maybe we're used to it. So we had this tradition on the men's retreat. We would go to this place called Red Robin in New Jersey. It was tradition, man. The team that would go up early to set up went there every single year. And it was like one day we stumbled across it. We were like, what is this strange place? And we walked in and I'm telling you, man, the burgers were like amazing and the fries were bottomless. And even though we were in Jersey, the Dr. Pepper tastes better than normal. And we were like, what is happening here? And every year we would go, we wouldn't even talk about it. We would just set our GPS to go to the Red Robin. But you know what happened, right? They built one in Comac, you know? And I was like, 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 are you kidding me? In the same parking lot as the holy, holiest, holy, uh, holiest of holies is Chick-fil-A. Right there, right? right? I'm moving to Comac, guys. Like, it's right there. You know, I'm all excited about it. Me and Joey and Andrew and Anthony and, and Joe, we got in the car, man, and we drove to that Red Robin, bro, and we went once. The burgers didn't really taste all that great. I hope they don't sue me for saying this. The fries were like, all right, Bobby's is better. And the Dr. Pepper kind of tastes like the Dr. Pepper I'm used to, which I'm not complaining about. But there we were. And do you know how many times I've been back since? Zero. Well, could it be that because it's now just available to me whenever I want it, it lost something? I got to tell you something about the presence of God. It is available to you wherever you are, but it has not lost something. Maybe in our eyes it's lost something. Maybe in our own affections it's lost something. But let's not think that because you and I can pray whenever we want, open a Bible app whenever we want, let's not think it's worth less than it used to be. And this psalmist is just trying to raise our understanding of the beauty of the presence of God, of being near God, of being close to him. He says this in the next part, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God, the living God. Think about that. Those last two words are so important. Why are they important? Because I think this psalmist is trying to tell us and show us what we have in God. We have a living God. Let's talk about the first word, living. You see, this, this phrase should hit us in a really deep way because it should make all of the non-living things we worship look really weak, right? 
Like if you are worshiping a car right now, and cars are great, I have one, I drove it here, I'm blessed by it, thank you God. But if I'm worshiping that thing and living for it, man, that's weak because I got a living God waiting to interact with me. If I'm living for my Netflix account or my phone or some status or some, you know, I got to get this many likes, I got to get that much approval, man. If I'm living for that, man, that's all non-living. I've got a living God saying, hey, come near, come close. I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to me. I want to share with you some things. I want you to share with me your burdens, those things that are troubling you, those things that you're afraid of. I want to walk through this with you because I'm the living God. But this should hit us on another level too, because not only is this God living, this God is God, right? And that that should make everything in our life that is not God look really weak, right? All those things that we tend to give into and bow to and and, and be amazed by, man, the, the presence of God and the closeness with him has to trump it all. It has to take the cake, right? It has to be bigger than it all in our lives. So I was on vacation the past couple weeks and and I was in Massachusetts last week, and uh, not like near Boston, but I was in the, the, the hills, the mountains of Massachusetts. And as I'm there, oh, and people have been asking me how my vacation was. And I, I tell this story to answer that question. I'm standing in the middle of the room. My parents, my, mom, my, my stepmom, my dad's there, my sister, my brother, all my nephews, my kids, my, everybody's there. These kids, they could tell you this happened. I'm standing right there. I didn't move. I was in the middle of a sentence, and my belt buckle broke. Just broke. I didn't move. I didn't like. I wasn't lunging. I wasn't doing a curl. I wasn't like, like a squatting. None of that. It just broke. And that is how you know it was a good vacation. Okay. <laughs> you, you ain't vacation unless your belt buckle snaps. All right. So I'm driving through Massachusetts, and as we come down the mountain into a valley, man, the sun is coming down over the mountain on a lake. The sky is pink. There are those big white, pinkish clouds, fluffy clouds up in the sky. And you know, the thought just hit me. God did that. The living God did that. Now, here's the deal. My phone, which sometimes distracts me from my relationship with Jesus, could take a picture of that, but it can't make that. My Netflix account, which sometimes distracts me from my relationship with Jesus, can portray an image that looks kind of like that, but it can't make that because there's only one living God. Do you see why our hearts should cry out? Why our flesh should cry out? to be near this living God, that we shouldn't get used to it, that we shouldn't allow the opportunity we have to be close to Jesus whenever we want to somehow cause it to lose its beauty. Verse three, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Listen to this, a place near your altar, Lord Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Do you know what what this guy's saying right here? This This is really intense. He's saying, Even the bird that is in the tree that gets to live near the temple is lucky because it's close to the presence of God, right? Think about middle school, guys. I want to think about middle school. My man Landon's now in middle school. That's blowing my mind. But think about middle school. You finally get up the guts to tell your friends about the girl that you like, right, guys? You remember this? You're like, oh, she's beautiful. She's probably the one. Right? Now, in my case, actually, she was. That's pretty cool. I just thought of that, right? That was amazing. But as you are having these conversations, one of your friends, I, 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 this happened to me, one of, one of your friends goes, dude, I live right near her. She's on my bus. And you go, ah, you are so lucky, right? And this psalmist is going, man, just to be that near 
Like that bird is so lucky because it gets to live near the presence of God. What's the psalmist saying here? He's getting a little poetic, but basically what he's saying is, man, I would rather be the bird living in the nest near the presence of God than be off doing anything else. And the psalmist just keeps lifting the power, the beauty, the awesomeness of being close with Jesus. It goes on, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What does that mean? It means these guys had to journey to get to the temple. They had to pack up all their stuff and their family and say, hey, we're going on a pilgrimage. We're going on a journey. And that's not like a little trip down the block. That is a journey off to try to get to the temple of the presence of God. And I just wonder, while you and I don't have to go anywhere physically to find the presence of God, if some of us need to go on a little bit of a journey in our lives, a journey of saying, I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to get closer to Jesus. I don't know what I have to do. Somebody, uh, a guy who's probably about 30 years old, wrote me a message this afternoon and said, I just want to let you know that what you spoke today is what God spoke to my heart about a month ago. He said, I, I got kids. I used to play one to three hours of video games every night after they went to bed. And God just spoke to my heart. Dude, this seems very, you know, like it's not a big deal, but but." Think about what you could be doing with all that time. Not that you can't ever play a video game again, but he just felt the conviction of God like, oh my gosh, I've been so willing to pour hours and hours into that. What if I were to get that serious about the presence of God and Jesus and being near him, right? And so this idea of just what would it take to get near? What journey do you and I need to go on so we can get nearer to our God? Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, so I want you to picture they're on the pilgrimage, they're on the journey, they are journeying to the temple. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Baca means balsam trees, and the valley of balsam trees was known to be a dry place and a place of weeping. And here's what I want to tell you guys. As we are on our journey toward God, closeness with him, there are times we end up in the valley of Baca. What do we do there? When my mom was 59, she died of cancer, and our family ended up in the valley of Baca. Three years ago, my wife Kelly ends up in the hospital and almost dies. Our family ends up in the valley of Baca. Some of you are there right now. You just have a sibling who you found out is addicted to drugs. You just found out your parents are getting divorced. You just found out your kids are doing crazy things behind your back. You just found out that the, the, the thing that you had worked so hard for and fought so hard for is being pulled away. The, the, the relationship that you, man, that you really, you thought this had to be it. This had to be it. It just was over in like a half second without an explanation. And you're in the valley of Baca. What do you do here? You make it a place of springs. How do you do that? How do you do that? You're on this journey toward God. Things seem, seem kind of good and suddenly there's heartbreak and, and suddenly now I gotta make this a place of springs. I gotta make this dry place, a place that's full of life. I'll tell you how you do it. You allow your excitement for the presence of God. You allow that truth that God is so awesome and being near him is so great that you begin to praise in the middle of the Valley of Baca. You begin to talk the word of God. You begin to speak it out and you fight your way out of that valley. And some of you are there right now, and you've been there too long. Can I say that tonight? Some of you have been in the valley too long, and you've maybe gotten stuck there because you've allowed it to remain a place of weeping. I want to encourage you, begin 
Even if you have to force yourself at first to speak the word of God, to praise God in the midst of that valley, to go ahead and lift your voice up, to be able to say how good God is and to let that kind of like rev your engine and get you out of that place. If I could just address something here, as we kind of talk about this idea about being excited about the presence of God, you know, we're kind of a quiet church. Now, I don't say that about our music. Our music's very loud, which is awesome. But, but we're kind of a quiet church. And I visited a friend's church last Sunday. And it, they weren't like a crazy church or anything, but it was just really cool because whenever uh, the preacher was reading something from God's word that just blessed them, they, they, they said amen. Everybody say amen. All right, there it is, all right? And, and, and now the 2019 version of Amen is that's right. Everybody say that's right. All right, good, good. Now there's some of you, if you're like me, I am, I'm, mmm, that's, mmm, that's me. Like I had warm cookies or something like that. You know, like that's, that's I'm like an mmm or, or uh-huh, right, okay? Now I just want to encourage you, okay, because I think some of us in the Valley of Baca, sometimes we can encourage one another. I think that we can get excited, right, as the word of God truth comes out and we can go ahead and say amen and we can say that's right and we can say uh-huh and we can say mm and not to draw attention to ourselves because I wasn't thinking about any, any of the people in that room that were saying those things last week. I was just thinking, wow, these people are really excited about the word of God and that's really cool. And I want to encourage you as we're on this journey as a church to go ahead and just have some fun with that. Not to draw attention to yourself, but to be a part of this and to be engaged and say, wow, God's awesome and his word is awesome. Everybody say Amen. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Zion was where the temple was built. And then he says this in verse 8, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, our God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus, or if you are, and you're afraid of God's presence, you're like, I'm not going on the journey, Doug. I'm not going on the pilgrimage because I don't want to be near God's presence because I'm afraid of what will happen when I get there. Can I just tell you what this verse means? This is what's called a prophetic verse. In other words, the psalmist was, was seeing something that God was going to do in the future. And he's talking about the shield and the anointed one. And he says, look at our shield. Look at our shield and anointed one. Do you know who that is? It's Jesus. Well, what does this mean for us? It means that if you're afraid to access the presence of God because he thinks, you think he's just going to take his wrath out on you, you need to remember that God, our Father, he looks at Jesus, the Son. He looks at Jesus, the Son, the shield and the anointed one in your place. And so the prayer is, oh God, look at Jesus as you deal with me. Oh God, look at Jesus, his perfection, his sacrifice on the cross. As you deal with me, a broken person who's done horrible things in my life, oh Jesus, look at him as you deal with me. And you know what happens then? You're free to enter the presence of God. When you put your trust in Jesus, your sin is taken away. You're free to access the presence of God without fear. When I enter God's presence, when I begin to pray, when I open up the Bible, when I begin to worship, I do not have fear in my heart, not even for a half second. I know I'm accepted and I'm loved. And like that song we sang tonight, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's truth. It doesn't make a lot of sense that God loves me, even though I'm a mess and I've done horrible things in my life, but it is the truth. And so you and I can enter the presence of God. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Can we just like hang out on that for a while? Better is just one day in your courts and your presence than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He's saying literally, I would rather be the guy who holds the door. Or some people think he was saying, I'd rather be the guy who 
lays at the door of the temple, kind of like a beggar would, than be anywhere else, any other time, for thousands of days. Think about that. Where are all the other places you'd rather be? You see, this is what we struggle with, right? There's other places we'd rather be. But what if the word of God and and some prayer, and maybe as we talk in a minute, a few practical steps, will help us get to the place where we can say as people in this church, wow, I really, really believe what this psalmist was writing. I would really truly rather be near my Savior, even if it was just for a day, than to be anywhere else. If I could just say it as simply as possible, I think what the writer is saying here is, man, just being with Jesus is better. It's just better than anything else, than all the other options. I mean, I'm going to watch some TV tonight. I'll probably watch some replays of a few really sad sports games and cry myself to sleep, but but that's besides the point. So I'm not saying I'm anti this or anti that, but, but so often the things, right, in our lives that have been given as a blessing, we begin to look at as the ultimate, right? It's time for you and I to say, wait, better is one day in God's courts than thousands on a couch. You realize how much time we spend on couches? Like, like, like just think about that for a second. That's probably one of the places we spent most of our time. Or, or sitting on a desk looking at a screen, right? Like kind of crazy when we are offered the presence of God. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Today we need to discover, rediscover this, that he is the sun for us. What does that mean? He lights the way for us and he's the shield for us and so he's a protector. Some of you guys know a little bit about Brendan Malloy's story. We prayed for him back in the spring. He had a horrible injury on a sports field. And I want to tell you how God was these things for him, how he lit the way and how he shielded Brendan and this family. And so my son played on the same team as Brendan. So my family was at the game. I arrived after the accident happened. But as I got there, Jimmy was trying to drive Brendan off the field in his car, and every time they hit a bump, Brendan would scream. And so they called an ambulance, and the ambulance showed up, and all of us were trying to convince the ambulance driver to take Brendan to one hospital, and he says, no, I'm taking him to another. Now, had Jimmy and Joanne not called the ambulance, Brendan would not be here today. And if the ambulance driver hadn't decided to take Brendan to that specific hospital, Brendan would not be here today. And they got him to that hospital just in time or he would not be here today. And so God lit the way, though we had no idea. I remember being upset. Why aren't they taking him to the other hospital? But God was lighting the way. And God was a shield. We didn't even know how bad it was, but as we prayed together in that hospital room, in that waiting room, and we cried out to God, and it was a long time. It was not five minutes. It was not an hour. It was hours of waiting for some news. Is he okay? Is he going to live? Is he not going to live? Is it severe? Is it not severe? And we're praying, and I just want to say that Jimmy and Joanne made that waiting room a place of springs in the midst of the Valley of Baca. I remember them on their knees. I remember their hands lifted up. I remember them singing praise songs and and, and crying out to God as we also prayed that God would spare Brendan's life. And finally, the doctor walked through the door and he said he's going to live, but he's got a long road back to normal life. Things like speaking and walking, being able to just be a teenage boy again. And a week later, he's here at youth group, walking and talking and laughing. We played several wiffle ball games together this summer. 
This was God being the light and the shield in the midst of a horrible situation. And you know what we all know is true right now? Nothing else and no one else could have been those things for Brendan. All those other things we look to, all those other things we are distracted with so frequently would never have been able to pull off what God pulled off in that hospital room that day. It goes on. It says, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. What is this psalm saying? I think this psalm is saying, I love to be near my Savior. I hunger to be near my Savior. I thirst for it. I yearn for it. I desire it. I am passionate for it. I want it more than anything. I want it more than anything. I think that it's saying very simply a few words I I hope we will carry with us this week. God, I love your presence. I just love it. Some of you are there right now and you are in the seat going, yes, I love the presence of God. Yes, I love nearness to God. But some of us need to change that to a little bit of a different prayer. We need to instead say, God, I want to love your presence. Man, I don't right now. I don't. I mean, again, I'm glad once I get there, I guess, I'm glad once I'm, I'm here in church and we're all worshiping together. That's good. That's good. But I don't like long for it, you know? I, I want to long for it. I don't yearn for it, but I want to yearn for it. God, I want to love your presence. And so I want to encourage you to ask God to do that very thing in your life, to make you somebody that loves his presence. And I just want to give you one practical thing to do. I want to ask you, that even when it feels like work to spend time with Jesus, to still do it. Because John Piper came up with this great phrase. He says, often we start out and it feels like work. It almost feels like a job or a duty. He says it's a duty that turns into a delight. We start out and it's all kind of like dry and it almost feels like the, the, you know, that, 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 ball, that, that valley of Bach and it's like, man, what's going on here? This is kind of dry. But, but as we get going, suddenly it turns into delight and we don't want it to stop. We just want to keep spending time in the presence of God. We just want to stay near him. I'm telling you guys I've been doing a lot of work on my house and a few months ago I had to get a bunch of insulation. And I don't know if you ever worked with insulation before, but it's horrible. It's terrible. There's fiberglass in it and it gets into your skin and it itches like crazy and it's just horrible. In fact, when I went to pick it up, there was a contractor who went by my two huge carts of insulation. He said, man, I'm so glad I'm not you right now. And I was like, thank you, bro. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and I went home and man, I was cranky, bro. I was not happy about it. And I literally... I like duct taped plastic bags to my arms so I wouldn't get the fiberglass. It ate through it. It didn't care and it went through and it was just a nightmare. But before I know it, man, I'm starting out at duty and I'm putting this stuff in and I'm getting going. I'm getting excited about the cuts and we're starting to fly now. And oh man, and next thing I know, an alarm goes off and I have to stop and I literally went, no, I'm finally on a roll, right? With insulation. (laughs) How much more will this be true with God? When you and I say, oh God, it's tough right now. I'm getting nothing. See, that's it, man. We so often, we stop right there. I'm getting nothing. I open up, I read a few verses. I'm getting nothing, God. Close, right? 
God, I'm trying to pray, man. It just feels like it's bouncing off the wall. I can't even think straight. I can't even stay focused on what I should be praying about. And we're like, I guess this isn't, isn't for me. No, duty to delight. Hang in there. Hang in there, right? Keep on doing it, even when it's dry, even when it's not feeling like maybe what you want it to feel like. And you end up finding out, man, you're going to get to delight. I wish I could say that I know this from experience, but I have been told that people who hate working out, if they stick with it, they end up really enjoying it. I wish I could say I, I know that from experience. I never tried working out in the first place. But, but eventually, you get to that place of delight. You get to that place of enjoyment. You get to that place of excitement. Guys, and this is what we do with everything we value in life. We push through what doesn't feel good for what we value, right? I'll tell you what. Dating relationship, someday marriage, Man, there's going to be times you got to push through what doesn't feel good, what doesn't feel exciting, what doesn't feel passionate, and you find that passion, you find that fire, you find that excitement, you fight for that, right? And some of us will do that in our dating relationship, we'll do that in our marriage, but when it comes to God, for some reason, we, we step back from it. No, let's fight for it. So we can say, God, I love your presence. You're not a father of Jesus today. I'm going to give you a chance to put your trust in him tonight. And it's a beautiful thing because you don't have to fear the presence of God anymore. There is no wrath or anger of God to be taken out on you. It was taken out on Jesus in your place. And so I'd love for you to pray that with me in just a minute. And next week we're going to continue this series. And I want you to invite somebody. Think about who should be sitting in the seat next to you next week as we continue this series. But this week, let's be saying, oh God, I love your presence, or God, I want to love your presence. Because the truth is, man, better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. Let's pray. God, we love you, and you really are awesome. And I pray tonight that this psalm has elevated our view of you, and it has really been the paddle to our soul that would bring excitement and passion and love and excitement for being near you. And even for the journey, God, that we'd have passion for the pilgrimage, though we don't have to go find you in a location, God, there may be a journey some of us have to go on to get closer to you. And I pray that those things that are in the way will not hold us back. And I pray, God, that in the Valley of Baca, we will praise you and we will elevate your word and we will have it on our lips and we will make it a place of springs, God. So help us. If you're a follower of Jesus and you can honestly say today, God, I love your presence, then praise God for that. That is an amazing miracle of God in your life. But if you're here today and you can't quite say that, I encourage you to say, God, I want to love your presence. And in just a minute, we are gonna sing and we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit's presence to do beautiful things in this room tonight. And I wanna encourage you to not miss out on that. I wanna encourage you to sing your heart out. I wanna encourage you to raise your hands up to God. Say, God, I just wanna be close to you. I wanna be near to you. Have your way in my life. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's hearing. I don't care who's around me, in front of me or behind me. I'm gonna go on a little journey here, God. And nothing's going to stop. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I encourage you tonight to just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for taking my place. 
thank you for being nailed to a cross so that I could live. Thank you that Father looks at you as he deals with me. And I come into your presence right now, God, and I ask your Holy Spirit to fill me. Let your presence fill my life. And I thank you for this beautiful gift you've given me tonight. Before we stand, if you prayed that for the first time so I can be praying for you this week, would you just look up at me real quickly? Just shoot a glance. Awesome. Anybody else? Just want to be praying for you. Make sure that you know God's at work in your life this week. Anybody else? Just shoot up a quick glance. God, thank you so much for what you've been doing all day long and saving people. We love you. We're so, so thankful for that. In your name we pray. Amen.